0: Welcome to 2D Pokies Under the Influence. My name is Pete Berthaud, and my co-host is Robbie Dowling. Virginia Tech beat Arkansas in the Belk Bowl, 35 to 24, and Robbie, I'm pumped about it. Give us a cheers.
1: Let's go! Cheers to two things: one, ten wins. We back, as the you would say. <laughs> we back. Ten wins feels great. It was in. Uh, a very abnormal fashion, but we got there. I would also say cheers to our guys heading off, juniors and seniors heading off to potentially make it in the NFL. It was a team effort to get to 10, but there was a lot of production in a lot of facets of the game out of those guys. So hats off to everybody and getting the wins and half hats off and best of luck to the guys that are... Now moving on, we won't see them again until they uh, are hopefully, you know, wearing different
0: colors. Cheers. Yeah, man, I was pretty surprised about one of those declarations for the NFL. And we're going to come back to that a little bit later after we give the uh, Belk Bowl recap. But we had a couple other news and notes, uh, some good news. Uh, we got a commitment from Nathan Proctor, a four-star linebacker. I believe he's out of Maryland, and he's a four-star on all three major services, ESPN Rivals and 247. It was a really big get for this staff and someone that uh, I'm super excited about. 6'3", to play linebacker, you know, he'll, he'll pair well with Tremaine as long as he doesn't announce too early as well. Um and uh, I, I don't know, we got some other guys that we'll talk about a little later that we're waiting on commitments from before National Signing Day. But this Proctor get, it's probably the best or the second best recruit in this class.
1: Yeah, I think it there it was Penn State that was recruiting him pretty heavy as well. Isn't that right? And I think, yeah, I think was, so. And um, there was a there was a bunch of kind of BS back and forth about him actually wanting to get a spot at, at, at Penn State and there wasn't enough room on the roster. I don't know how much I buy that. I think you make room for a consensus four-star. So I'm happy about it. Uh, we're starting to see this class come together. It looks like a really solid lineup on both sides of the ball, and let's just hope that everybody inks their paper
0: when uh, the time comes. Yeah, Definitely. The other part of good news was Virginia Tech basketball got a huge win over number five Duke on Saturday, New Year's Eve. Uh, we entered the top twenty-five because of that. We're number twenty-one this week, and that game was just awesome from start to finish. I mean, we at the ha- at halftime, I think we had a sixteen-point lead, and Duke never got close. Now they were playing without Grayson Allen, which was a huge story going in, and it's still it was the story afterwards. Uh, Even the guy on ESPN was asking Seth Allen about playing against Duke without Grayson Allen, which was just a bizarre question to be asking a team that just won on their home floor. But six guys in double figures for the Hokies. Bibbs led the way with 18. He was four or five from three. And I'm just so excited for this season. It looks like we may be able to get back to the tournament for the first time since the 07 season. And it would be only the second time in 20 years we have been to the tournament. This this win was a huge step in the right direction.
1: Yeah, never trailed in the game, I don't believe. And it never really looked close. I still had sweaty palms. I watched the whole game. Towards the last even eight minutes when we were up, I I felt like we were going to win. We were playing better. But I was just so nervous given Duke and all the talent that they have. But... Team played their hearts out, and huge for the resume. I mean, that's that's a big win for the resume. We didn't have that marquee win yet, obviously, because we're just getting into ACC play. But that's great to have on there as we're moving towards. And we'll have, you know, potentially a lot of other top twenty fives to to put on the resume, and hopefully get a few of those.
0: I started to feel extra good about that game when the play happened, where Seth Allen bounced it off the backboard, and then. Chris Clark just jammed at home with one hand. It was an incredible play, like total uh Sports Center top ten worthy. And I-, I haven't seen a play like that out of our guys since like Duran Washington was on the team. It was incredible. That was so fun to watch. It was all over
1: the interwebs. And I had to call my wife down from upstairs and just show her that that dunk. It was amazing.
0: So we play NC State later tonight. We're recording on Wednesday night. The game's at nine PM tonight. Uh so by the time you hear this, we'll have either won or lost that one. That's a big game down in Raleigh. We'll see if we can pull it out. And then we play fourteen and one FSU on Saturday. And right now they're number twelve. So that's another tough game. FSU has been very good. They they do the weird thing where like they're super good every other year, essentially. And obviously they're well coached, but Dwayne Bacon and then got another kid that's probably going to go top five in a draft. Uh, That's going to be a tough game on Saturday against FSU, but I'm hoping we can pull out this NC State game tonight.
1: Yeah, that takes some pressure off because, you know, I want to see us win, but dropping that, if you win NC State and drop that FSU game, I don't think anybody would be surprised. And, you know, that, that only has upside for us.
0: Okay, let's hop into our Belk Bowl recap. And as I said right from the top, Virginia Tech won thirty-five twenty-four, and this was the most unconventional way to an eleven point win that we could have taken. The story of the game was, of course, Virginia Tech's amazing comeback. I'm assuming if you're listening to this podcast, you watched the game, and we were down twenty-four nothing at halftime. And in the first half it was all Arkansas, but because of our mistakes, it was all Arkansas. We started the game off with a fumble. It was shades of Georgia Tech right from the from the beginning and I, I we were sitting together for the game. We're down at Bank of America Stadium watching it and I was like, This is just bad news right from the beginning. I couldn't believe it.
1: Yeah, you said it right away. I felt it right away. It did not did not go the way that we had hoped and the hope for starting faster did not take place whatsoever
0: (laughs) no we (laughs) held them on that drive to only a a field goal but a little bit later arkansas got a touchdown on a 90 yard drive and they capitalized after an interception by gerard evans with a long return and a penalty tacked on to the interception return um and they went up 17 nothing so and then that interception by evans was a terrible floated ball to what looked like a wide open cam phillips running down the sideline
1: it wasn't. It, it was floated, and it was windy out there. The announcer said it, it right was before windy, the game. Yeah. But I guess you know, it missed by almost. It looked like because the angle, it was coming from the sideline. It looked like the pass was off by almost six yards. It was incredible how far off that pass was. It was ugly. Let's just put it. Yeah, that and way.
0: I think the wind was blowing towards Evans, which means he would have had to throw it extra badly for it to go even past Cam Phillips, mm-hmm. but. Whatever, they were up 17, nothing, and then I think with about 10 minutes left, Keon Hatcher made a really nice catch in the corner of the end zone uh, to give Arkansas another TV, TD. It, initially, it wasn't rolled a touchdown, but they reviewed it and reversed it. And it was Keon Hatcher had a great night for Arkansas, and that catch was pretty amazing. put them up 24 nothing. Now, I think that was, yeah, 10 minutes left in the first half when they scored that touchdown. And the defense, at that point, decided to finally step up. And Arkansas did not score a point for the last 40 minutes of the game from there on. We tried to get a field goal at the end of the half, but Sly missed from 48 yards. And it just seemed like the Hokies' chances were kind of doomed at that point. Now, from the stands, me and you were both talking about this, that it, it seemed worse being in the stadium than watching the second time. Now, I know that... I've uh, you know I got the benefit of hindsight, but like it's not that Arkansas was playing that well in that first half.
1: No, I don't think so. I think, in particular, rewatching the game after having seen it in person, I think a lot of it fell on our secondary, and it 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 didn't look good. Facing got beat on a number of passes. the The secondary was just struggling. We were still getting some pressure, I think, on the line. So I wouldn't – and they weren't necessarily running the ball all that well in the first half either. So it, it really seemed like the story of that first half was finding a way to get our guys in the secondary comfortable or at least pumped up because we looked flat and it, as flat as could be in, in that first half. And it was it was pretty embarrassing being there for it. And we were sitting in the Arkansas section, which was a bunch of Hokies, but we had – eight Arkansas fans in front of us, and it was pretty demoralizing, so I can't imagine how the guys on the field felt.
0: We heard "woo pig suey" many, many, many times in that first half. I never, ever want to hear it again. Uh, So there was a point where we muffed a punt because everything was going wrong, and although it looked like Adonis recovered it, the – the referees had to, like, consult the review, and there was a penalty on the play, and Fat Bielema's on the field arguing it, and we're down, obviously, like, a ton at this point. I think it was 24 nothing, and it's just about to end the half. And I turn to you, and I'm like, dude, let's just change seats. Like, we're sitting in the Arkansas section. This sucks. Bank of America Stadium had the atmosphere of a morgue because we're getting our butts kicked, and it was about, you know, half full at best. So I, I asked you if you want to change seats, and you're like, yeah, let's let's walk down. Walk down the concourse because there's this like ten minute referee conversation going on. So we're walking down, and then we get the ball back, and we're we're moving for that field goal. And I remember Sly like, misses the field goal, or we did something bad, and you took your beer and you just threw it in the trash, and you were like, "Let's get the fuck out of here." <laughs> it wasn't even
1: like it was like a half full beer, which probably cost me twelve bucks or whatever the prices were down there. I was just I was so upset. Because it, it it just felt like – and we went to the Notre Dame game, right? So it's right. – uh, this is not the first time that we've seen this team not be able to get their feet underneath them in the first half. And I really thought with the 10 wins on the line, you know, bowl game, seniors going out, some people probably that ended up declaring for the draft probably already knew that they were going to. They want to go out on a high note. And we, we just looked – shitty and it it was so frustrating
0: (laughs) so i think the the thought at that point crossed both of our minds that we needed to change our lock and while i thought you know the changing seats thing would have been enough you're like let's leave and we decided that to go for the benefit of virginia tech now we got crap from a bunch of our friends and a cab driver and all this stuff that you know we we left for the second half but it I, I want to make it clear, leaving the game was not quitting on the Hokies. It was more of, like, an effort to change the luck of the Hokies.
1: Well, we're both ridiculously superstitious, and yes. it's to almost a fault. Uh, yeah. there's There's been times in the season that I'll change shirts that I'm wearing during a game. I'll do all sorts of stuff, and sometimes... You know, I've been at a lot of games in the past. You know, three years, and I was at the Notre Dame game. We went down. I was at the Miami disaster last time at, at home two years ago. And sometimes I just think that if I'm not there, they play better. So.
0: Where do we go, Robbie? Why don't you tell our listeners where we ended up?
1: Well, the, one of the finest spots, uh, I think, in Charlotte is the Hooters there. So they have great wings, mostly. <laughs> so we decided to pop in there.
0: Right. So we, we leave basically right as the half is ending. We walk to Hooters. It's only like two two or three blocks from the stadium. And as soon as you get in there, we're finally warm for the first time all day. I start off by hitting the bathroom because I kind of had to go, if you know what I mean. And after that, I felt much better. We got a nice spot at the bar. (laughs) And what do you know? Things started turning around. And as soon as the second half started, we forced the fumble on Drew Morgan. Anthony Chagas comes up with a big play and instantly capitalized with a rush TD by Evans. And then you start ordering Patron shots.
1: (laughs) Yeah, there was uh, quite a few Patron shots taken between the two of us.
0: So it's 24-7, to and on the following drive for Arkansas, Morgan goes the length of the field on a long play, fumbles it out of the back of the end zone. So we think we're actually going to get it back, even though, again, the secondary makes a terrible play. But it was negated by a penalty, so Arkansas gets the ball back. Well, a few plays later, Chagag comes up with another turnover with the interception, and that leads to a touchdown by Sam Rogers on a sweet catch, and that was after a long play by... Can Phillips on third down where he threw a guy right to the ground with a stiff arm, which was just amazing. So now it's 24-14. We, we're basically just just ordering food and getting some shots together at Hooters, and we're right back in the game. And I'm thinking, like, in my head, I'm like, maybe we should go back to the stadium and mm-hmm. watch the rest of this game there. But then it's like, if we go back and they start to lose, like, I'll never forgive myself. <laughs> yeah, and we had that discussion. If we walk back in that stadium and we come up short, then it's going to be our fault. So we're now only down 10, and Arkansas uh, third quarterback, Austin Allen, just started, like, coming unscrewed. And he threw another interception on first down of the following drive after the touchdown. And Tremaine intercepted it this time and took it down to the 5-yard line. We got a TD pass to Chris Cunningham on the first down of the next play. So we scored on two consecutive offensive plays. And now it's 24-21. to And this is like in the blink of an eye. Uh, We order another Patron shot. (laughs) Because at that point, we're ordering him every time we score a touchdown. And the drive that we took the lead on, uh, which I think was we scored... In the beginning of the fourth quarter was that was that no. fourth touchdown? Right. Uh ten plays, seventy six yards, and ended with a six yard run by McMillan. And he was really good running the football on that drive, and so was Gerard Evans. Uh and we go up twenty eight twenty four. And Arkansas, they did not know what hit them.
1: Yeah. It was well, and, you know, taking just a quick step back, Brett Bielema recognized and said they knew what their record has looked like and their scoring output has been, and how they've gotten beaten in the second half, and he said it was not going to happen in this game. So for it to happen, they just looked deflated. It was, it was ugly.
0: They were lifeless after that, man. And <laughs> Allen threw another interception in the later part of the fourth quarter. Terrell Edmonds intercepts it this time and takes it down to the eight yard line. We punched it in two plays later, Gerard Evans run thirty five twenty four and that ended up being the final score. We won by eleven. <laughs> we covered covers good <laughs> which I think you had told some of your buddies to bet on the Hokies. I
1: never tell them what to bet, and this time I felt like we were gonna i I told them that we would be down by three in the first half and that we would come back and cover. And I got a text message from my buddy the next day after I had sent some uh, happy expletive uh, text messages to them, and he said you didn 't say we were going to be you were going to be down twenty four nothing
0: yeah, and you had nailed it in our preview too, saying that like the third and fourth quarters Arkansas is really bad. I expect us to be in a tight game and then open it up and no n- no one expected us to be down twenty four nothing and maybe we should have expected it because of the way Arkansas starts games fast, and we start games slow. We talked about it with Notre Dame because they do the same thing. Notre Dame, we're down 17. And in this, you play a similar style of team who's good in the first half and bad in the second half, and we get down 24 nothing. I don't understand why it keeps happening, but I'm happy we came back. It provided us with the biggest comeback in school history. But it's just weird at this point. Like I, I don't know what the makeup of this team or the coaching staff, or whatever, lets us, you know, not have it all at the very beginning of the game, and we just need to take our time getting our, you know, adjustments going. But you know, we should really just celebrate because we got the tenth win, I guess, and it's it's a happy moment. It's a, an incredible comeback, and I'll one day tell my grandkids I, uh, you know, watched it from a Hooters three blocks from the stadium. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah,
1: I, the shout out to Chicago. He had himself an incredible day he was he was just a monster and a big part of the reason that we ended up winning that game i thought you know overall the defensive line was just six sacks in the second half they were just demolishing and getting so much pressure you know in terms of things that i, I took away also that I'm, i i roll forward as kind of learning opportunities if you want to call it anything else the season's done Terrell Edmonds needs to get his tackling together. I, he is he he is really really struggling. He, that could have well been a targeting call on him, and I want to see him improve that because it's happened a few times this season. And I think he needs to kind of slow his roll there, and or at least you know you know keep his head right when he's going in for things like that in order to keep himself in the game. And you know obviously the subsequent game if it's in the second half. So it it overall it was a it was a great day it was an amazing comeback extreme resilience I don't know how I would be feeling coming out of that locker room and how Rodgers and you know a lot of the people on the team that are leaders were able to get them pumped up and ready to go and also a big hat tip to the just the entire defense because yeah they they got the juice going on. On the offense and the defense together, by what they were doing, they were the ones that really put that jump start in what Virginia Tech ended
0: up doing in the second half. You could see it. I, I agree, man, and and it did start with the defense. I told, I said that thing. They didn't score. Arkansas didn't score for the last forty minutes of the game, and there was a play where Mook Reynolds hit a guy in the backfield, uh, right around that point in the second quarter. And all of a sudden, the defense, like, there was a fire lit under their butts. And we only gave up 66 yards in the second half. And on Arkansas's last 10 drives, none of them went over 20 yards. Ten, Their last 10 drives, not one exceeded 20 yards. And that was from that, you know, that 10-minute mark in the second quarter on. Just an incredibly impressive performance by the defense late in that game. 10 tackles for loss. You mentioned the six sacks, a forced fumble, three interceptions. It was awesome, and I feel so happy for all of those guys and a guy like Woody Barron, who's a senior and had ended the season with eighteen and a half tackles for loss, top 20 in the country in that category, uh, tied with his teammate, Tremaine Edwins, with the same amount. Just a, a great final performance from this defense, and I hope that we can fill all the holes next season. And we'll talk about that a little bit later.
1: Well, and one, one last thought is the way that it caps off the season is the Joe, you know, jokingly, a lot of people talk about the meeting that Justin Fuente and Bud Foster had when he first came in or, and got the, you know, accepted the coaching position. And he said, you don't have to hold people to, you know, under 25 points or whatever the case may be. And this game, is the epitome of of what that was. And he can feel confident that he has an offense now that can come back. So it it really just shows those two and what the future could look like as, as, as that coaching staff continues to gel.
0: Absolutely. I just had a few final stats on the game. We actually had more yards of offense in the first half when we scored zero points than we did in the second half when we scored 35 points. Does that make any sense to you? <laughs> no.
1: You tweeted that, or you uh, texted that to me earlier today, and I couldn't figure out how that would be possible. But, again, it was all because of the defense, right? It was. <laughs> we, we
0: scored touchdowns. Four, four out of five of our touchdowns were scored off of turnovers. Every, like, immediately off of turnovers, we scored 28 of those points, of those 35 points. So a, a lot of the credit for the offense came from the defense. And how poorly coached is this Arkansas team? I mean, you had the collapse of the team in general, and that's been happening all season in the second half. the mo- Drew Morgan spitting in the face of Mook Reynolds. That was outrageous. The, the and his Sprinkle- apology sucked, by <laughs> yeah. the way. Yeah, the apology was not an apology at all. Jeremy Sprinkle shoplifting from Belk at the Belk Bowl before the game even started. I mean... Bielema is—he's not going to last, man. This guy doesn't know how to coach his team. Clearly, they're seven and six. They're in the toughest, one of the toughest divisions in college football. I'm not even going to say the toughest anymore, unless you just want to say it's tough because of Bama, because the other teams are are slacking lately. It's just they're—they're they're awfully coached, and I'm so happy we beat them. They're a bunch of jerks, and you know we got the best of them, and it's great. Yeah, I
1: agree. I didn't think. I thought he would be. I thought he was going to get fired the next day. He's still there. I'm surprised he's still there, but I wouldn't be surprised if he is making an exit here shortly. Maybe they give him one more year, but it's not going to. It's not going to happen next year, and like they're not going to turn around all the all of a sudden. Yeah. They have serious problems.
0: They really do, man. Do you want to take a quick beer break before we move on to our uh, talking about our boys head to the NFL? Let's do it. All right, buddy. What are you having?
1: So you inspired me with your uh, Christmas morning beer, and I decided to start seeking out some of these uh, these good Hardywood beers that they put out. So I'm not a huge Hardywood fan. I think they're a nice brewery. I've never been down there, so I haven't tasted kind of everything that they have. I haven't drank a ton of their beers, but they have, during the Christmas season, four really hard-to-get beers one of them you had. Uh, subsequent to that, I got my hands on the Kentucky Christmas Morning, which is a Kentucky bourbon-aged, uh, you know, Christmas uh, gingerbread stout. And then I just found at a store just their regular gingerbread stout. Um, GBS is what a lot of people call it when you're looking for it, and it's fantastic. It's an amazing stout has has a kind of a, a good gingerbread flavor to it, but it's not overpowering. I would like to, you know, feel have it be a little bit heavier. It feels a little bit too um I don't know. You know when like you get like a, a fruity beer and it's a little too fruity and this is a little just a little bit too gingerbready gingerbready. But overall
0: it's it's pretty delicious and I like it a lot. We had some of that prior to the game when we were we were tailgating with uh some of our other buddies from Richmond. And then uh we briefly stopped off at the hotel room to gla- grab like gloves and hats and stuff. And the guy's like, I got a gingerbread stout in the fridge, let's bust it out. So he the big bottle and poured us all up, poured us all around. It was it was good uh pregame right before we headed in. Um I am having the wood chipper India Pale Ale from Fargo Brewing Company. We had a listener who's stationed up in Fargo Send us in these beers, his name's uh Peter Lacledy. If I'm pronouncing that wrong, I apologize Peter, but he's a hokey in the Air Force stationed up in North Dakota, but he still manages to uh keep in touch <clears throat> with his buddies down in Virginia and you know watch the hokies and we appreciate you listening and appreciate you sending these beers over this wood chipper i p a is it's delicious man it's a it's a really good evenly balanced ipa 6.7 percent, which is the type of ipas i kind of prefer the the ones that are in the six to seven range and i he actually sent me a couple different beers and the other one's called the iron horse and that's a pale ale 5.0 and uh i actually like the iron horse a little bit even better than this wood chipper but the can artwork from fargo brewing company is really nice and both of these beers are excellent so thanks a lot peter for sending these down
1: yeah, hat tip for your service and to everybody. If there are people out there that listen, because obviously the cadets are a big part of Virginia Tech, and we have a pretty vast military history with the memorial. You can go up there, and and I always try and go there uh, every time I go to Virginia Tech for a game when I get back there, just because it kind of puts things in perspective. So hat tip to him and and what he's doing for the country.
0: So we had three guys declare for the NFL draft early this week, Robbie. And for Virginia tech, that's a lot. We don't normally have one guy do this in any given year. And this year we have three guys that could be here an extra year, all leaving early. Bucky Hodges and Isaiah Ford. We both expected those guys have had really productive careers and Bucky's size and speed just have NFL written all over him. And I, I, Definitely expected him to leave. Ford's production has been unmatched by any hokey in previous history in in terms of on a per-season basis. And he's just such good hands and body control. You knew he was going to the NFL someday, and I think we were both kind of hoping beyond hope that he would stay until his senior year. Yeah,
1: I didn't know if it was... I know his his mom's really active, obviously, on Twitter and everything else. So I didn't know if he was potentially going to stay just to get his degree and in fact he mentioned in his statement that he's going to come back and get his degree I figured that was something important to him I didn't know if he was going to take now and just kind of do it because some some guys never come back right they're like yeah I want to get my degree and they never make it back but obviously I'm I'm super happy for him and I I think he'll be a late two round and
0: I'm excited the one that both threw us a little bit for a loop was Gerard Evans our star quarterback who broke just about every record this year, declaring early. And for Gerard, you know, it's kind of like the Cardell Jones situation where he had that great run, won the national championship for Ohio State, and really should have left for the NFL draft that year and decided to stay another year. And then, you know, maybe his stock dropped a little bit. Evans is striking while the iron is hot. He's had an incredible year. From completion percentage to his running ability, prototypical size, it's hard to fault him for leaving. I just wish he was staying selfishly.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I have, I have a, there's so many thoughts out there and so much, there's so much commentary that I don't think we need to rehash all of it because everybody, once that announcement came out, whether you like going online and looking at, you know, message board posts or Twitter or whatever the case is, I think everybody has an idea of, a lot of things that went on there in the decision-making or could have gone on there, I should, I should, say, that, I should say that. It's a better way to put it. My thought is there's, there's no right or wrong answer here, right? There's only what's right for him, that, and that's all that matters. And, yes, as fans, we can be disappointed that we're not getting him back. But the fact is is that it's quite possible that everybody's argument and everybody seems to have an opinion – it's somewhat correct here, but none of it really matters. All that matters is it was the right time for him, and he's going. And now it's done. It's over. And all we can hope for is that he gets drafted. And That's, that's what the goal is, and we want him to be successful. And the bantering back and forth while everybody's allowed to do it at some point just becomes a little nauseating because it's done. It's over, and he's going, so let's support him like we do every other Hokie
0: that tries to make it in the NFL. And the people saying that uh, he could improve his draft stock by coming back, he could. So could have Cardell Jones. So could have Matt Barkley, who would have gone maybe number one overall and then was drafted in the fourth round. It Nothing is guaranteed by coming back. And while, no, he's not on a lot of draft boards right now. In fact, I was trying to find him on somewhere today. I, I couldn't that's likely more of a reflection of no one thinking he was going to leave. And so why would they even be watching his tape? Because he's going to, you know, he just got there. Like he's not going to leave. Usually it's the guys that have been in the limelight for many years that are more, you know, evaluated. Brad Kaya, Deshaun Watson. uh, Those are the guys that everyone is expecting to leave, even though they could have stayed too. And if you ask me, you Evans might be a better draft prospect than Brad Kaya, especially, you know, the Kane's had a decent year, but Kaya, he's never been as good as he was in the beginning of his first year. So that's the thing about this class is if, if I'm Gerard, you don't know what's coming. And next year, you're going to have Rosen from UCLA. You're going to have Lamar Jackson. You're going to have, there could be way more better draft prospects next year that you don't know. Yeah, this Barrett, year Barrett
1: you, just announced that he's staying, and I know he's
0: not a highly touted quarterback, but he's staying. Right. My, I guess my point is that this is a wide-open draft class for quarterbacks. And mm-hmm. if he sees an opportunity to maybe go as the third or fourth quarterback taken, then he's going to take it. Now, he might still be sitting there in the seventh round after ten guys have gone, but he seems like the kind of guy to me – that if he goes to the Combine, which I assume that he will, but you know he just announced, so I, the invites haven't been sent yet, he could kill it at the Combine. He, he's the kind of guy who's going to run fast in his 40. He's very accurate. He's probably going to do great in the drills. And look how far up you can move as a quarterback. Carson Wentz was what, like a, a fourth-round, third-round pick when the season ended last year, a guy from an FCS team? He went second. <laughs> like that's how far up quarterbacks can move. All the evaluation will take place over the next 4 to 5 months. Yeah,
1: I I couldn't agree more and it's it's everybody can have an opinion. I guess it's my only point and yeah, do I think that he could potentially I and I said it, I thought he could have been with one more year, granted all all this is connected, right? There, There's locker room talk. There's all sorts of things. You think he didn't know Bucky and Ford were going? Give me a break. He knew those two were, were going to the right. NFL. He knew he was losing two wide receivers. He knew that there was a lot of wide receiver talent here, but not much experienced talent that was going to be left. And he made the decision that's right for him. And I'm kind of over it. At first, I was shocked. I really didn't think it was going to happen. And after mulling it over a bunch because I was so excited for next season to see what he was going to do. My thought is go do it. We're, we're moving on. I want him to move up, do his thing. And I hope he has the greatest success at the next level.
0: Yeah. I'm super disappointed. He's not coming back. I want to make that clear, but I don't think there's anything wrong with him going whatsoever. There are two, they are two separate things. Okay. So I guess we should talk about what, this could mean for our offense next season and some of that will be about who emerges a lot of it will be about who emerges at the quarterback spot and potentially Fuente maybe dipping his toe in the Juco transfer route yet again but we're losing a lot you look at the touchdowns scored and the passing yards and the rushing yards it's it's a ton it, it's we're going to take a step back on offense next year. I think that's without a doubt. I, I don't. I don't think you can just replace the most passing yards in school history. <laughs> and if you can, then Fuente's more amazing than I ever thought. Yeah, or then Fuente
1: is going to end up <laughs> leaving us and going to an even bigger program. If he's able to do that, that is that <laughs> that's that's wine out of water type thing. Given what he's losing on the offensive line, what he's losing in a quarterback he's losing in wide receiver talent. We're losing some key pieces, but I feel better about the defensive side of the ball. It's it's a lot that we have to make up for between now and the snap of the ball against WVU.
0: I feel confident in guys like Henry Murphy and C.J. Carroll and Devon Diablo to all step up and play bigger roles, but it's not going to be Ford and Bucky. The beauty of it is we do have Cam Phillips coming back. And Cam put out a really funny tweet about making a decision that same night. Uh, and uh, it came down to a fast food decision when it was all said and done, but it was really funny. And you know, realize that Cam Phillips was 17 yards shy of 1,000 this year? He was a monster. <laughs> he was so good. Down the stretch, I think I had it 432 yards And 40 catches over his last five games. That's eight catches per game and 86 yards a game over his last five games. Three touchdowns. He had 115 yards in the Arkansas game, which was a career high in receiving yards. He had more total yards against Pitt this year because he ran the ball a bunch in that game. But he had his best receiving game in the last game. So getting him back will be huge for Josh Jackson or Hendon Hooker or... The tr- a transfer or whatever it may be, but we do have some toys to play with at receiver. Chris Cunningham scored a couple touchdowns this year. The cabinet, you know, the cupboard is not empty, but it right now it's gonna be a work in progress, and we'll probably get better as the season goes on next year. Yeah, and I
1: I realize some of this is scheme driven. Some of it's the position that he plays versus what. Hodges was asked to do and Ford was asked to do, but Cam finished the year. And we were, I was talking about it, you know, on a message board with somebody earlier today. Finished the year almost on my stats because you can't get them anywhere except ESPN's database at 7.9 yards after catch. With his stats included in the average for the team, they were, the team was at six yards, yards after catch. Without him, they were at 5.1. The only person that exceeded him was Rodgers, and he was at 8.5. Obviously, again, scheme, position-driven, but he only had 24 catches. So that's a a much smaller sample size. Getting him back is huge. You have Phillips, Carroll, Murphy, Diablo, Pimpleton, people are really excited about, Kuma, Drake, Patterson, Bradshaw this this may well be our rebuilding year and just like you mentioned who's who's going to be underneath center is going to be a long offseason discussion but the fact is is we are building a core that could could really benefit us over the long term and i know it sucks right for the 2017 season and that's something i'm trying to come to grips with is i was so excited about next year if if some of these guys came back or decided to come back but think
0: about what 2018 could look like. Yeah, I uh, I'm not giving up on 2017 yet, but I hear you. I'm I not giving think... up on yeah. 2017 yeah. either. But my we're point both, is we're both going optimists. up. Yeah. yeah, my point
1: I... is the up upside, which is what we're all looking for right. beyond the ten wins.
0: The last note on Cam Phillips. Do you remember when we had that conversation about the best player after the catch? It was it was after the Miami game when we watched Sam Rogers make a couple plays where he shifted past some people after catching the ball, and we were like, who's the best with the ball in their hands after the catch? And we both agreed it's, it's probably Rogers. But Cam has gotten so much better at it. it it's been unreal over the last half of the season. Um, in the Notre Dame game, in this game, I mean, he was throwing stiff arms in the Arkansas game that were just unbelievable. His cutting ability has gotten so much better. With another year off season of seasoning, it's going to be really interesting to see what he can do. I just hope that we have a quarterback that can get him the ball because maybe Cam could go over 1,000 next year. So that, that would be sweet.
1: Well, and I think the thing I noticed, and early on this season, I tweeted at French and I said, I didn't even, I just tweeted and he responded, I think, which was, Isaiah Ford has the best body control of any wide receiver I've seen in a while for Virginia tech in the air, able to shift, get the defender off you a little bit without getting a push off foul or anything like that. The, di- the difference is, is cam I think is the best at knowing where everybody is on the field. And what I mean by that is there are plays and we saw it with, I forget what game it was where he broke a couple guys ankles, but when he's turned around to catch a ball, from the QB and he's got three yards of space or two yards of space behind him. He knows where the defensive back is and he turns and cuts the right way to juke somebody out and get extra yardage. And that's a different talent than body control. That's a sense of what the field looks like and feeling out the pressure that you have around you. And I think he's going to be really talented. I had him as my breakout player this year and I'm really happy for everything he did. I'm excited that that paid off as much luck came into that as anything else, but he had an outstanding year.
0: There's a few random things I wanted to talk about before we take another beer break, and one of them was the ACC's bowl record, which was 8-3, and three, and we have one more game because Clemson's in the national championship. The only three losses were Pitt, North Carolina, and Louisville, and Louisville, God, did they fade at the second part of this season. They didn't even look like the same team in that LSU game. We knew, I thought it wouldn't go that well for for Louisville, and it went even worse than I thought it would go. They looked bad in the bowl game. But 8-3 and three overall for the ACC, the best bowl record of any conference. A, a couple head-to-head wins over SEC teams outside of that LSU game. And if Clemson wins the national championship and beats Bama, all of a sudden, the ACC's, starting to look like the best conference and I think it's because of the upgrade we've made in coaches over the last couple of years.
1: Uh, yeah I think the consensus right now leading into what's going to happen in this you know Clemson gets blown out and then everything just changes but I don't think that's going to happen. The The consensus among most media that cover the sport every day living and breathing is that the ACC was the best conference this year. We went three and one against the SEC in head to head we also beat them during regular season uh it's a lot of things align for the ACC and a, How about uh
0: Michigan and Ohio State taking it on the chin to two ACC teams
1: that's right and, and that and that just you know further further's the point the 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 thing that frightens me about 2000 <laughs> moving forward because i love where we're at right now is a lot of that was driven by what happened on the coastal side of things. And there's a lot of quarterbacks that are about to walk out the door on the coastal. So I was going home and listening to Sirius XM today, and they were talking about the ACC, best conference, et cetera, and SEC calling in and, you know, getting all pissed off, and everybody's arguing about it. But looking forward, the, the big boost was Louisville, obviously during the beginning of the year, and then the coastal, because everybody knew Florida State and Clemson were going to be good this year. The Coastal is what really buoyed things. And we got a lot of quarterbacks in Kaya, Trubisky, Evans. A lot of people are walking out
0: the door. True. Maybe Trubisky will stick around. Probably not. But I would say because of the coaching upgrades, because of the recruiting improvement, it will stay strong. I, this was kind of a crazy good year for quarterbacks in the ACC. And that's probably part of the bowl record for sure. And the SEC quarterbacks on the flip side, so we were t- since we we're talking about that matchup, they, there's just not that many good quarterbacks in the SEC. And there really haven't been year in and year out. Occasionally, Georgia will have one. Occasionally, Bama will have a very good quarterback. But really, it, it they are not known for having good quarterback play. And the ACC consistently gets better quarterbacks or at least puts them in the draft so hopefully that will continue and it's not just going to be because these guys are leaving this very talented group over the next couple of years that uh will take a step back i think the acc is going to start to really emerge as uh as right there with the big 10 and the sec as the best conferences i agree so we talked about our recruits a little bit earlier and uh we mentioned, you know, that we had gotten that commitment from Proctor, but the other four stars that we're waiting on for National Signing Day are Taiwan Garbett and Devin Hunter. Everyone knows both of those guys. Garbett at one point was committed to Tech and decommitted, and Devin Hunter we've been on forever, and he's pushed back his commitment date a couple times, I think. And at that's least. never <laughs> that's never a good thing, and especially when teams from the state of Alabama come calling. I think Auburn is kind of. In on Devin Hunter and maybe even Bama as well. I'm not entirely sure. It's always hard to tell with these things. But those are the two guys we're pushing for hard. There's a couple of other guys uh, a defensive end by the name of Zion DeBose, uh, a cornerback named Brad Stewart, who I think is a four star, and then a defensive lineman named Robert Porcher, who's a three star. And I think DeBose is a guy that uh, French really likes. He really likes the way he, uh, you know, he. He attacks the football and his his bend, as Bud Foster would say, and that kind of thing. Uh, so those are just some names we wanted to you know keep you aware of, and you can look them up on Rivals and 247 and see where the crystal balls are going and that kind of thing. But those are about five of the top guys, and you know there's always guys that we've never even heard about that they're looking at right now, and including transfers and JUCOs and all that kind of stuff. So we'll try to keep you apprised of that. I'm not sure if we'll do an episode before signing day, but we'll definitely recap signing day when it's all said and done in February.
1: It's a pretty stressful period for coaches, players, and the fans over the next over the next yeah. month. So
0: let's just... A lot of uh, hand-wringing over 18-year-old boys' decisions. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's, it's a lot. Let's just hope we do what we have to do. We have the record to go out and you know show people Virginia Tech you know is a place to be it's up and coming so let's just hope it holds true we get the signees that we have right now and then hopefully we pick up a couple
0: and put together a great class fuente definitely has something to sell that's for sure a lot more than last year he 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 did us a lot of favors coaching this team up this year and getting to those 10 wins Let's take a quick beer break before we give our national championship picks. So Pete, what are you drinking over there? I'm having the Nice Relationship by Vale Brewing Company. This was another gift to me by our buddy Nick down in Richmond. Sent me home with it a couple of weeks ago and it's one of their limited releases, so it comes in that gray and black can that Vale makes and then they put a label on one part of it to to tell you what it is. And It's a double IPA, 8.5% alcohol, and it's got almost like a a little bit of a berry flavor. It's kind of sweet. It is a delicious double IPA. And as I said a little earlier, double IPAs aren't my thing all the time, but I am really liking this one. And anyone who lives down in Richmond always talks up Vale Brewing and how good they are. And they do a lot of these limited releases. The nice relationship hopefully will become a more, or I I should say, a less limited release going forward because it's really good. Robbie, what are you having?
1: So another one of our listeners, um, Manny, sent us some beer from down in North Carolina that is from Aviator Brewing Company. It's the Devil's Tramping Ground Triple 9.2 9.2 percent so we're really going light tonight between the stouts and this <laughs> it it is out of i'm gonna butcher this so i feel free to just make fun of me i think it's faquay varina north carolina and i don't honestly drink a lot of triples and this is delicious though it tastes really there's a little bit of uh a hop flavor to it on kind of the back end. It's kind of got like a normal triple, almost a soft kind of opening to the beer. I actually really like it. And I Aviator Brewing Company, I haven't had them before. I think they're starting to distribute a little bit more into Virginia and some other areas because I've seen it at a couple places. I had their IPA that Manny was also kind enough to send up to us. I didn't really like it. it. Wasn't good. I've also had about 12,000 IPAs, so that's that's probably, you know, judging against harsh competition. But this triple is amazing. I actually really like it and I'm going to buy it again if they have it at the stores near us because it's a lot lighter than stuff that I usually drink, but it does have kind of a little little hop
0: taste to it. I just looked up for Quave Arena, North Carolina. It's about, um, I don't know, three dozen miles south of Raleigh. So it's oh. it's between Raleigh and Fayetteville. And uh, we've had a couple of listeners mention Aviator Brewing to us. So I'm glad that we finally got to try some of their beers.
1: Yeah. I have one more that I'll try on a podcast during our off-season. It's an oatmeal. I think it's an oatmeal stout that he sent us as well. I've had the IPA. I didn't want to get on here and say I didn't like it, but in case you're looking for IPAs, I wouldn't go that direction, but I would go towards the triple, and hopefully the oatmeal is is just as good as I'm expecting.
0: So we're going to talk about two different national championship games, and yes, you might think there's only one, but there is another national championship game happening this weekend. Our friends right up the road, JMU, are going up against Bo Polini and the Youngstown State Penguins this weekend, uh, Saturday at noon, as a matter of fact, if you're interested in the FCS championship. And Robbie, who I believe attended JMU for a short period of time.
1: Yeah, my freshman year.
0: uh, We're going to have to pick this game because they're playing in a national title game. And JMU has been on fire the last few weeks. They took down the five-time defending national champs, North Dakota State. Uh, We know our our former coach, Brian Steinspring, is on that staff. And I like their chances against Bo Pelini and the Youngstown State Penguins. And I'm happy for Bo Pelini, too, who I don't know if he got a raw deal in Nebraska. He he wasn't producing, but Nebraska is a tough place to coach with the lack of talent in that area of the country. And clearly he's a good coach because he's got this team competing for a national title. It should be interesting, but I like the Dukes to win that one well he i mean he his production was really faux-Polini,
1: which is the best twitter account on the internet <laughs> <laughs> it still on, is <laughs> it's absolutely hilarious but i'm going to go dukes here after that win five time national championship you knock off they jmu has they're still trying to make their way up to becoming a group of five team, that's that's their long term goal. That's what their goal was when I went there. And it's not to make fun of them, but they're they're doing well. I mean, they got game day last year when they played the Richmond Spiders, which was the FCS game that um, every year they do the FCS game for game day. and that was the one that was picked. They have, a, they have a lot of talent there. I know people that played there. One of their tight ends is one of my good friends from back in the day. And I went there as a freshman. I transferred to Virginia Tech and spent my next three years there. I got to go JMU here. A bunch of my buddies are going to this game. They're flying down to Texas. They're excited about it. So I feel like it would be wrong for me to go the other direction. But I honestly think JMU is going to seal the deal on this season. They've been playing really well.
0: They have, and also I should note that my girlfriend went to JMU, and and I, I have to pick them for for that reason <laughs> alone. But I, I I'm picking them, uh, picking them uh, based on what I've seen on the field as well. And now the national championship game of FBS, and that is Alabama versus Clemson. Alabama is number one. Clemson is number two, and Alabama is a six and a half point favorite. You know, I thought this spread might be a little bit closer based on the two performances we saw on New Year's Eve. But it's still 6.5 to Bama, and they have been dominant this year. I've picked Bama all season. We've joked about it a million times. I'm about to I, joke about it as well. I, I'm i going Clemson, man. I'm going against what I've done all year, and no. I'm picking Clemson. And I, I said this... Uh. Mm. I said this on a different podcast. I went on a podcast a couple weeks ago with guys talking about the playoff. And when Clemson plays at their best, they are so hard to beat. And we saw that in our game, how dominant they were against us when they are playing at their best. But then they have these quarters where they play terrible and it doesn't make any sense. And we were able to get back in the game. Against Ohio State, they never didn't play their best. <laughs> they killed them. They didn't allow a point. It was unbelievable, and if they have that same focus with these young players that have now played a complete season and are no longer inexperienced, they can beat Bama. Bama does not have an elite quarterback.
1: Wow. You just really screwed everything up. I was really hoping. (laughs) Every game you've picked Bama, I've picked against Bama every game, and I've lost every single one. And you've won every single time because you've picked Bama every time. I think they're they're, they have to be the they have to have covered every spread this season. Maybe there's a couple that they didn't. Now you just threw a monkey wrench because I didn't know you were going to go that direction. Pick what
0: you think is going to happen, not just because of me. (laughs)
1: I think watching defense. Everybody talks about Alabama's defense and their scoring defense, and they are unbelievable. There's no other way to put it with Jonathan Allen's just probably going to be like he's going to be a wrecking ball in the NFL wherever he goes and I think that Clemson's going to win this game seeing their defensive line and we don't have you know, we don't have the most amazing offensive line but seeing how dominant that they were in that ACC championship game against us and just how much havoc that they caused I think is going to be the game changer here because Dabo is going to come up with a way for Deshaun Watson to score points and that offense to score points. Uh, I think that they can score probably in the 30 ish range, 35, something along those lines. I think he's going to be able to find a way to do it. And they're, 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 their, court, their offense didn't look very good in that Washington game for Alabama. It really did not. And I think Clemson's defense, they're probably pretty closely matched if I had to look at S&P, you know, S&P plus rankings or anything. Oh, yeah. But I think Clemson's defensive line is pretty, pretty elite, and I think that's going to be the game changer here when they start to speed things up for them and create a lot of pressure. Maybe some picks here and there. And I think they're going to be on the other side of the ball too. But this is, this is the big game. I'm going to go Clemson, and we're on the same side for this, which scares the heck out of me, which probably means I'm going to – again, this is the – I have never picked Alabama at all to cover the spread this season.
0: Well, you know, the thing about this game is my gut tells me this is going to be a somewhat low-scoring game based on the two defenses that play Watson's penchant for throwing interceptions this year and Alabama's penchant for capitalizing on turnovers. So, you know, in my head, I think it should be maybe a 20 to 17 game one way or the other, which would cover the spread regardless. But last year, it was such a high-scoring game. Uh, O.J. Howard went crazy on the Clemson defense, and Alabama's defense was arguably better last year. It's been amazing this year, but it was really, really good last year, and Clemson put up a lot of points. I don't know how it's going to go. I just know it's going to be close. So that's why I'm taking Clemson. I hope Clemson wins just because I, I like Dabo, I like the idea of them getting revenge because of last year. And who wants to see Alabama win more national championships? Nobody. I'm picking Clemson
1: outright. By the way, I'm not covering the spread. It's an
0: outright pick. Does
1: that count for two, so I can still lose in our pick 'em?
0: <laughs> you know, I, I I'm that's tougher. You know, if I had to pick outright, that's it makes it a little bit more challenging. But I might take Clemson too. I really. I just really like their makeup. I I like the way Dabo motivates those guys. And they destroyed Ohio State. Like, Ohio State's a good team. Like, to a very good team. They were in the freaking playoff. They're a really good team. They only had one loss, two losses over the last two seasons. And won the national championship the year before that. And they destroyed them. So, it should be a lot of fun. I can't wait to watch that game. Monday night. Uh, probably like an eight, eight thirty start, something like that, but I'm pumped, man.
1: I'll finish with how excited I am, how we played against Clemson in the ACC championship <laughs> versus yeah. what Ohio state and
0: Clemson did in the bowl game. How about that? You know, and that's the thing you look at, uh, who we beat this year, Pitt laid an egg in their bowl game. Of course, they've been playing shootouts the last few weeks. They gave up like 60 points to Syracuse. Uh, but Miami wins their bowl game. So now that's probably our best win of the season. But would you maybe say that our seven-point loss to Clemson is our best
1: win? It's the most recognizable and the one that everybody talks about. So I, I think so. And seeing what their defensive line was doing to us and the fact that we still had a shot to tie the game right at the end is unbelievable. It is. That's a huge hat tip to this team, their resiliency, and, again, coming back in that game. It's incredible.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you can't say enough about Coach Fuente, Evans, and just all the guys on this team for never quitting at any point during this season, at any point during any game. Even the Georgia Tech game, which didn't go great, we still were making a comeback when that was all said and done. It was an amazing year, uh, a year that we both thought was possible, but we're still pleasantly surprised by. And we'll be coming back with some podcasts soon enough. Uh, like I said, early February, we'll have something for you, whether it's a signing day preview or recap. We'll uh, we'll put something out there soon enough. We never really take an off season, So thanks for listening. Uh, if you could follow us on Twitter, it's at 2DeepVT. Make sure to check out all of our episodes on 2DVT.com and subscribe, download every podcast because the numbers always help us out. And um, until signing day, go Hokies.